The hosts of the Real Life Wellness Podcast are not licensed medical doctors, and this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or any form of professional therapy, nor is it intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any illness or condition. All content and information in this podcast is created for informational purposes only. Please seek medical attention for matters relating to your health and never disregard the advice of a medical professional or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary and Kisa, episode number 13, How Food Affects Our Hunger, where we talk about different ways to integrate healthier habits into your life. I am Mary Preston, and with me as always is Kisa Amaro. Kisa, tell us just a little bit about yourself before we get deeper into today's topic. Well, welcome back, friends. I'm Kisa Amaro, and I help mamas stop yo-yo dieting by going beyond the nutrition to develop a healthy relationship with food and themselves. Excellent. And I'm Mary Preston. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a life coach. And I help other mental health professionals get control of their emotional eating. I've got a six-session program that guides you through discovering why your eating habits feel out of control. And I'm starting another five-day challenge on July 17th, so keep an eye out. This one is five days to conquering your workday without sugary snacks. So a little extra help. That used to be my most challenging when I stopped sugar. Like, what do you do at work? <laughs> what do I yeah, do? Definitely. <laughs> definitely. What if I do, what do I do if I can't have a Snickers bar? So. <laughs> I don't know. What do you do? Yeah, well, we will find out. <laughs> All right. So keep an eye out for that. And on to our topic of the day, which is how food affects our hunger. Kesa, take it away. Uh, guys, before I take it away, mm. I want you to head on over to our Facebook group, the real yes. life Wellness podcast with Mary and Kisa and join. Um, you can get, uh, sorry, you can leave us feedback, questions or suggestions. Cause we love your love feedback it. about our podcast. We love questions that we can use for future episodes. Um, and also we'll be posting our episodes and any supporting resources. For you there. So it'll all be in one place. Yep. Just um, one nice place to head over to for all of our stuff. Yeah. So after this episode, head on over to Facebook and join the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary and Kisa group. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. Okay. So now we're going to be talking about how food affects hunger. Um, on our last episode, episode 12, we discussed uh, hunger in general. Uh, the difference between emotional hunger and physical hunger and how it, um, how to differentiate the two. So if you haven't yet listened to the podcast, I encourage you to go back and take a listen as it will give you a foundation for this episode. But with that being said, you definitely will get a lot of information out of this episode without listening to the previous episode. So mm -hmm. do not worry. Um, so how does food affect hunger? On today's episode, we'll be discussing the following, different foods and their effect on hunger, satiety and what foods keep you feeling full, your hunger hormones, so what are they, what happens when they are imbalanced, and how to balance your hunger hormones with food. All right. And before we jump in, I wanted to say, because some of our friends listening to this podcast might be new to thinking and talking about macronutrients and hormones and, 
you know, it might feel like a lot of information, a lot of new terminology if it's new to you. And so if that's you, I encourage you not to get discouraged. Just like listen to the podcast with an open mind and know that you'll probably not remember everything that Kisa talks about here, but don't worry about it. Um, you know, in the very beginning, I remember I had to kind of just hear these words a lot of times and I was confused about it. But over time with repetition, um, you know, we, we start to get comfortable with it and then we'll start to recognize what they are. So you might want to listen more than once or you might just listen once. And then like me, you know, once you hear it the first time, you'll kind of run into it everywhere. So once you hear these, once you hear these terminology, you'll probably like see them on Facebook or, you know, run into them in books that you're researching. So, you know, just kind of hearing it the first time is good. Um, and then also we, we like to give our outline as a PDF in the show notes. And so it might be helpful for you if these things are new to you to head over there now, download that and then kind of have it in front of you while you're listening. So you can take some notes or just have those, uh, like the words written in front of you as she's saying them. All right. That being said, Lisa, why don't you start talking to us a bit about the different types of food and their effect on our hunger? Yeah, sweet. Um, So first let's take a look at the, uh, at different foods and their effect on hunger. We'll break them down by macronutrients. So macronutrients, basically there's three of them, which is, easy, three, carbohydrates, protein, and fat. Mm -hmm. And basically any food that you eat will fit into one of those three categories. So we're going to go over those three categories today and how they affect your hunger. And do they have both, right? Like, cause can something have carbs and protein or do they just fall into one? Uh, yes, they can have, um, multiple uh, macronutrients. So some foods can have protein and carbohydrates in it. Some foods will have fat and protein in it and, you know, any combination. Okay. Um, so yeah. Um, so the first macronutrient we're going to talk about today are carbohydrates. So carbohydrates is kind of a funny category because they can range from whole fruit and vegetables to grains, breads, and pastas to candy, ice cream, and chocolate. So there's a huge (laughs) range. (laughs) So there's like these super healthy carbohydrates and then there's these super unhealthy carbohydrates. Right. Um, However, whatever they are, they all turn to sugar in the body. So when you Mm -hmm. consume them, they're going to be turned into sugar. Okay. And the amount of sugar um, or the effect on your blood sugar the food has depends on the carbohydrate itself. So when you consume sugar, just let's just say sugar in general, that sugar is going to go into your blood. And that's kind of, maybe you've heard the term blood sugar, like high blood sugar Mm -hmm. um, or low blood sugar. That's what they're talking about. It's like when you eat a carbohydrate, it's going to turn into sugar and that sugar is going to go into your blood. But it depends upon the carbohydrate um, and how it affects your blood sugar. So generally, the minimally processed it is, the less amount of sugar it will produce and the more... um, And then the more processed the food, the more sugar it will send to the blood. So for instance, if you eat um, a salad that has a lot of vegetables, fresh vegetables, it's not going to have very much effect on your blood sugar. It's not going to send very much sugar to your blood, basically. Um, Whereas if you eat candy or ice cream, it's Mm -hmm. going to send a lot of sugar to your blood. Okay. So all carbohydrates are not the same. 
No, they're not the same. Definitely not the same. <laughs> um, so carbohydrates do not keep us full for very long, especially if they are highly, proce highly processed and void of fiber. So when you have um, the fiber slows down the release of sugar into the blood, having a more subtler effect on the blood sugar levels. So for instance, going back to that salad or even an apple, you have fiber along with those vegetables and fruit. Right. And, and so fiber is what, like the roughage? <laughs> the, the roughage. What I've heard it yeah. called, like the, the scrubby, yeah. Yeah, and it, it keeps your bowels healthy and flowing, so to speak. Um, but it also slows down the release of sugar into the blood. Okay. So if you have, you know, fruit or vegetables, you have fiber, like whole fruit, you have fiber along with that. Whereas if you take a food and you take the fiber out of it, um, so you have like concentrated forms of sugar or flour without the fiber, then you're, there's all that sugar is going to your blood all at once. And then you get this really big um, or high blood sugar spike. Okay. Um, so protein, um, these are found, there's a second macronutrient and these are found in the highest uh, quantities in animal products, such as chicken, eggs, beef, dairy, or fish, but they're also found in legumes and whole grains. So proteins are the building block of your body. We need protein to build, maintain, and repair our body. Um, it is highly satiating. So satiating just means it's going to keep you full. And so protein will keep you full for a while. And uh, the one thing is you want to be careful with protein is that if you have excess protein, so if you eat a lot and a lot, a lot of protein, it will that extra that your body doesn't need turns into sugar in the body. Um, so though it's important to have enough protein, just be cautious of eating too much as it will affect your blood sugar. Okay. Um, so yeah, so far we've talked about carbohydrates. They're, um, they keep you full for a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. The more fiber, the better. Um, and then protein is a little more satiating. You can find those in most animal products and some legumes and um, whole grains. And then our last one is fat. So these are found in animal products in the form of saturated fats, as well as in foods like nuts and seeds and some legumes. Um, fat is the most satiating food you can eat, and it will keep you full for a really long time. Yes. Um, however, you do want to choose healthy fats when you're eating fats. Um, so saturated fats from a clean animal source, such as butter or cheese made from grass-fed cows. Mm -hmm. Animal fat from sustainably and ethically raised animals. Nuts, seeds, and legumes. So you want to really want to stay away from industrial seed oils, which include corn oil, canola oil, cottonseed oil, sunflower seed oil, just to name a few, because they're highly processed and they have inflammatory properties to them. And then we, we talked in a, an earlier episode as well about um, staying away from saturated fat from animals, from, uh, from CAFO farms and from places where hormones are given because that's where the fat is stored. 
Yeah. So if you are um, purchasing meat from, like especially beef from basically conventionally raised, so it's not grass-fed or grass-finished beef, it's um, there's uh, the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 is not a healthy one. And so therefore it causes inflammation. And then also the fat is where, yeah, like the hormones are stored. And so then you're just eating, if you're eating the fat, you're just eating like the extra hormones that are injected into these cows. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're eating conventionally raised beef, you definitely want to choose a leaner cut or, you know, cut off those big chunks of fat. Right. And so choose, choose if you're going to be eating conventional meat, then choosing fats from other places, good butter, good cheese. Yeah. And you can add, yeah. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) And Kesa, am I hearing you right? The fat is not bad for us. No, it's not. It's good. It's your, your, every cell needs fat. So so to function. (laughs) It's such good news. I want everybody to hear that because I, I think we all, maybe not all of us, but you know, I grew up thinking that low fat was like the answer to all health problems. And it's just a big fat lie. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was under the same impression too. Definitely. I call it like the low fat era where we were just basically told brainwashed. I don't know what you want to call it, that um, we needed to take the fat out of our diet, that low fat was the way it's the only way to lose weight. It's the only way to be healthy. And it's really not true. So um, fat is good for you. Your every cell in your body needs fat mm-hmm. to function, um, uh, especially your brain. You know, our brains yeah. are pretty important. <laughs> so <laughs> we want to take care of our brains too. So let's imagine that you are going to build a campfire. So you will need kind of three types of wood in order to build this campfire. You need kindling, which are like twigs and small branches, uh, smaller pieces of wood, and then your big fat logs. When you go to build your fire, you um, put down some like nice big logs and then some smaller pieces of wood on top of that. And then on top of that, you might build like a teepee. I usually do like a teepee with like the sticks with the kindling. And then um, maybe, yeah, some uh, sticks and kindling and maybe like throw some paper in there or moss or dried leaves. And then when you light the fire, you light the kindling first as it is easy to catch on fire, right? You light that kindling, like that, those leaves and the paper, and then it gets the little sticks catch on fire and that burns fairly quickly so you got to act fast you know you got you have the kindling it's burning but it's going to burn away quickly so you want to get those um those kind of like bigger pieces of wood to catch on fire Mm -hmm. and then those will last for a while you might have to re um you might have to add some every so often but then you have like these big logs on the bottom that burn forever and those right. are the once ones lit. Yeah. yeah once you get them lit it's like hard to get them to go out and those big logs it's like like say you're camping and you you guys like you think you put out the fire and then you wake up in the morning and there's like this little smoke coming up from the log because it's still burning um 
so those three pieces of um, wood or those three different types of wood are like those macronutrients. So the kinlene is like the carbohydrates. Uh, they burn quickly. Uh, and they don't give much energy because once they're gone, there's, you know, there's no more energy from those. Right. Right. But you can and get then, like a, a big kick from them. Yeah. You can like get a, a big a kick big from kick. them. Yeah. A quick kick says so they, they, um, I don't say turn on quickly, but you know, just like the, kin, the kindling, it lights easily and lights quickly. Right. Um, and then you have those pieces of, uh, wood, like the smaller pieces of wood. And it's kind of like you take a log and you cut it maybe into four pieces. Uh, that would be your protein. And the kindling catches that on fire, right? And so the protein is going to last a fairly, a fairly long time. It's going to sati satiate you and it gives you good amounts of energy. And then those in turn um, catch the big logs on fire. And those big logs are your fat. Um, so the fat is kind of our main fuel source and it burns for a really long time and it will keep you full for a really long time as well. So yeah, looking at the three macronutrients as the fire and, um, the kindling are the carbohydrates. So they're fast burning, but they give, you know, like that quick energy. Uh, the smaller pieces of wood are the protein. They're fairly satiating. Um, and then those big logs are the fat. And the fat keeps us fueled for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So looking at food and its effect on hunger is only part of the equation. We also need to take a look at our hormones that affect hunger and how food affects the balance of those hormones. Right. So all of speaking of like the logs, right? The carbohydrates, the protein, mm -hmm. the fat, it's like, that is how it works pretty much to, you know, precisely when our hormones are balanced. Yes. Like yeah, we're accessing exactly. fat for long-term, you mm -hmm. know, like burning fat for long-term proteins, like a little shorter term carbohydrates, just really quick. We just use a little mm -hmm. bit of it for a quick kick, but then mm -hmm. sometimes our hormones are not balanced. <laughs> and right. That's important. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think this is really important to know because this may be happening to mm -hmm. you and you're like, well, yeah, I try, I try and eat a balanced meal, but I'm just so mm -hmm. freaking hungry. You know, I right. try and add my protein, but I'm just so freaking hungry. So this, you know, may be happening to you as you're moving towards eating a healthier diet. You're choosing whole foods. Um, however, if your hormones are not balanced, then the whole fire analogy isn't going to necessarily work for you. Right. And I think that's something that, yeah, something that people miss, right? A lot of diets just tell you like, just eat these certain foods, but then people end up like starving. And I think this hormone piece is something that we're missing that is really important. So. Yeah, definitely. And it's not to say that once your hormones are off balance, it's like the end of the road because you can get them balanced. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we want you to know how to do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we want you to know about them. Yes. We want you to know about them and how you can balance them in case they are out of balance for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, 
three main hormones that affect and regulate hunger. So we'll be talking about those three today. And when they're balanced and working properly, your body regulates hunger and you eat the correct amount of food your body needs resulting in a healthy ideal weight. However, the problem comes when these hormones are off balance and you end up having crazy food cravings and are constantly hungry or you have urges to eat. And this results in you eating more food than you need to and then ultimately weight gain. Mm -hmm. So what are these three hormones we speak of? <laughs> Tell us, Kiza. The first one is insulin. Um, so you most likely have heard of insulin and its connection to diabetes, either type 1 or type 2, but, but you, don't have, you don't have to be diabetic to have unhealthy insulin levels or insulin resistance. So just because maybe your insulin is off a little bit, it doesn't mean you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Right. Um, so... What exactly is insulin and why should you be concerned about it? Um, insulin is a storage hormone. It takes sugar in your blood and it moves it to where it's needed. So your muscles need sugar um, right away for energy. And then your liver is kind of like this short-term storage. It's like a gas tank. So you can fill it up. It'll be stored there. But it's only there's only so much you can put in there. And then the ex excess after that will go to your fat cells for long-term storage. Mm -hmm. And when, you're, when insulin is elevated in your blood, the body cannot burn fat as fuel um, as it's burning sugar at that time. It's busy. It's busy. It's burning sugar. It's figuring out what to do with all this sugar in your blood. It's not going to burn any fat. So now when you consume anything, your body releases insulin. However, when you consume large amounts of carbohydrates, your blood sugar will spike and your body will, will, sorry, will release large amounts of insulin. Mm -hmm. So the more insulin your body has in the blood, the more fat storage, and this is where the problem lies. Right. So what foods release large amounts of insulin into the body? Uh, these are mostly highly processed foods, sugar and flour. So sh uh, foods like sugar-sweetened beverages, which are pretty much any beverage you buy at the store or convenience store, um, crackers, cookies, sweets, large amounts of rice, breads, and pastas. Right. Anytime they, they take a, a whole food and they like smash it down into little bits to make something else out of it. Yeah. 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 So they've, yeah. Tipped they in like a wheat. whole grain. Yeah. <laughs> the, take, the whole, whole grain and then they like mill it down to flour mm -hmm. and then they take that and they add sugar to it and other things. And then they package it and they sell it to you as something really delicious and yummy. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yep. Um, so how do you lower the amount of insulin that is released into your blood? So choosing carbohydrates that are closest to their whole form, like whole fruits and vegetables, whole grains like steel cut oats or quinoa or brown rice. So those 
those foods um, are closer to their whole form. They haven't been um, ground up into flour um, or they haven't had the juice pressed out of them and then thrown the fiber thrown away. And then you just drink the juice, which is pretty much sugar. Mm-hmm. So a rule of thumb that I go by is the more processed the food, the more insulin my body will release when I consume that food. So for example, if I eat an apple, I'm eating the entire apple. So the juice, the flesh, the skin, and sometimes the seeds, Um, along with the sugar from the apple comes the fiber. This fiber slows down our body's absorption of the sugar into the blood, slowing down the insulin response. So now if I drink a bottle of apple juice, I am drinking the juice only. And this is where all of the sugar is in the apple. So the sugar of the apple has been concentrated and stripped of its fiber and therefore will spike my body's blood sugar, which in turn causes the release of more insulin to bring my blood sugar back to normal. And then plus when you think about it, when you make juice from a fruit, you're using multiple pieces of fruit to make an eight ounce glass. It's not just one apple that you're squeezing the juice from to make that eight ounce glass of juice. So instead of eating one entire apple by drinking a glass of juice, you are really eating like five apples, um, which is all sugar. Yeah. So the more processed the food the higher the blood sugar spike and Mm -hmm. the higher the blood sugar spike, the more insulin is released into your bloodstream. Correct. Correct. Yeah, definitely correct. Um, Yeah. And then because there's a lot of insulin, it's difficult. Like it's in, it's in storage mode and that's, it's just storing fat constantly. Yeah. So the sugar, I think this is kind of, um, I don't want to say a difficult Difficult thing to understand because we think like, okay, fat's going to make you fat. Like how can sugar make you fat? Like that's, that's kind of a weird concept, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the sugar is either like it's the insulin is kind of like this carrier. It's like, it's like a dump truck, you know, like it comes along, loads some sugar into the back and then it takes it to your muscles because your muscles need the energy. And then if there's extra, the dump truck will take it to your liver and drop it off there. But once your liver's full, then it's like, okay, where do I take this blood? Or sorry, not this blood, this sugar. Where do I take this sugar? So the dump truck takes it to your fat cells and it offloads it into your fat cells. So To store for later. To store for later, <laughs> which later may come, but later may not come. Right. If we're constantly eating sugar, then later doesn't come. Yeah. <laughs> we just keep... We just get away. We just keep storing it for later, but yeah, later never comes. It's like storing for winter, but then winter never comes. <laughs> I'll just store it for winter. Uh, okay, so that's all about insulin. Okay. And our second hormone that affects our hunger is leptin. Um, leptin lets us know we are full and that it's time to move and be active. So it is our signal that we have eaten enough nutrients and that we can get off our butts and go for a walk, work in the yard, do some yoga, or take um, a bike ride. Um, The problem lies when we have too much insulin as it is blocked by the brain by an excess of insulin. So insulin blocks our 
leptin so our body doesn't get the signal that right. we are full and then that we should go move and do something. Right. And I think this is the big problem that happened with the low fat craze, right? It's like we have mm-hmm. so much sugar in our blood. We have so much insulin and then we, we just kind of shut off our ability to tell when we're full. And so we just are always feeling hungry. Yeah. And if you're, if your body is never telling you you're full, then, mm-hmm. then it's telling you to eat. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, and also I think that the part two about like, okay, it's time to move. Like you have energy, you can go move and you can go do things now. Mm -hmm. So you're not getting that signal either. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot, it's a lot more difficult to motivate to either even go out for a walk, go outside and go for a walk when you don't get that signal from your body. Right. Yeah. So if you have an excess of insulin, your brain will not get the signal that you are full and that it is time to move, thus resulting in overeating and lethargy. So think about Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. how you feel then. It's like, oh, I just ate so much food and you're just full and tired and you have like that lethargy coming on. That's kind of like the... Um, when you don't get that signal, mm-hmm. you kind of feel like Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> after Thanksgiving dinner. Well, and that's the thing about Thanksgiving dinner, why it just keeps going and going, right? Like, and then I want <laughs> pie. I'm right. For some reason I've eaten all of this food and I still want pie. Right. <laughs> I still want what's on the table. Like there's no reason for me to be craving that. You are. Yeah. I mean, in, in a sense, if you look at it, like mathematically speaking, you have eaten enough calories. <laughs> Supposedly. Supposedly, yeah. right? Yep. Um, yeah, so our third, our third hormone, so we talked about insulin, we talked about leptin, and our third is ghrelin. And um, ghrelin lets us know when we're hungry and no longer hungry. So I like to connect ghrelin with hunger um, through like a growling stomach. So a growling stomach and ghrelin, that's how I connect the two. Nice. Um, like oh, I'm hungry, growl. <laughs> Perfect. I just like a, that's just however you remember my head. <laughs> um, it is negatively affected by concentrated food because it does not recognize the caloric intake. So, for example, if you're hungry and you drink a 300 calorie Coke, ghrelin will not tell your body that it's no longer hungry because you're just feeding it sugar, not nutrients. Hmm. So that makes sense. It's not, it doesn't count calories. Your ghrelin doesn't count calories for you. It counts the nutrients that you eat or consume. So on the other hand, if you're hungry and you eat a salad with a hard boiled egg and some chickpeas, ghrelin will tell your body that it's no longer hungry because it has gotten nutrients from the greens, the eggs and the chickpeas. So it's, it's looking for the nutrients, not the calories. Got it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So in order to kind of like tame that growling, you need to give it like real whole food versus fake sugary food. Right. Because Full it won't of, count. Yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't count. It's like, this ain't, this ain't going to work. <laughs> Get me some nutrients. Um. So what does this all mean? So how do we put it together to create a meal that keeps us full and lessens our 
hunger between meals. So, you know, start by choosing non-starchy veggies as half of our plate. Broccoli, leafy greens, cauliflower, eggplant, peppers, onions, just to name a few. So, like, try and get half that plate. So, if you're looking at your plate like a pie, like half of it would be um, vegetables, non-starchy vegetables. Mm -hmm. And then you want to choose a moderate amount of clean protein, like organic chicken, eggs from pasture-raised chickens, grass-fed beef, plain yogurt. So plain meaning not vanilla, but unsweetened, unflavored plain yogurt, quinoa or beans. And that, you know, you want that to be like maybe a quarter of your plate. And then have um, moderate amounts of fat at each meal. Mm-hmm. And this would inc- uh, this could be like grass-fed butter, olive oil, sesame seeds, cashews, any like nuts or seeds, coconut oil. Um, so this may be like um, cooking your vegetables in one of these fats. Um, it may be avocado on your salad, olive oil, a salad dressing, any kind of nuts or seeds you add to your meal. And then have minimal amounts of starchy vegetables, such as sweet potatoes or squashes. Um, So, and then, like, I I always say that this is just a starting point um, and what you want to strive for to reduce hunger between meals. However, it's not a one-size-fits-all meal plan by any means. Right. Um, So do play around with the different macronutrients and see what works for you. And you might just want to start by like adding a vegetable to your meal. Like you don't need to concentrate. You like just choose one macronutrient to like look at. Be like, okay, so how can I make my carbs better? Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to add um, a serving of vegetables to my meal. Or I'm going to double the size, the serving size of my vegetables at my meal. And I'm going to make my rice a little bit smaller. Right. So just little, little steps at a time, but ultimately kind of striving for these, these kind of uh, like more non-starchy veggies, moderate Mm -hmm. amount of protein, just kind of slowly building into that plate. Yeah. Yeah. Working, working in that direction for sure. It's like, you know, like running a marathon, you're just not going to go out and run a marathon one day, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Tomorrow I'm going to go run a marathon. (laughs) And, you know, I I mean, even between Kisa and I, and, you know, we have very, very similar ideas about food, but I think we eat Mm -hmm. very differently than each other. And we've just found what's worked for ourselves over time. So it's going to be different for you starting with those points and then kind of figuring out what feels good. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, And I've been, you know, I've experimented. I don't want to say I've experimented for years, but I pretty much have, truthfully. (laughs) All all my life. (laughs) I've been experimenting with food for years. (laughs) For years, literally. Um, But I mean, not to say that, like, it's been wrong the whole time. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that. It's like, I've just found, you know, I just done it step by step and found different ways and, you know, tried new things and... It's just, you know, I found myself in a really good place right now, mm-hmm. but it's been through self-experimentation, right? And we'd like to save you years. Yeah, yeah. we would. Just, we really would. You could just kind of, you could just start here instead of experimenting for decades, <laughs> like <Yeah>. I have. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So a little about kind of my experience. So I used to eat a low fat diet that consisted of lots of bread, bagels, pasta, cereal, fat free yogurt, pretzels, granola bars, chicken breasts, apples, um, and other fruit, other fruit, and then tofu. I used to eat a lot of tofu. Mm-hmm. Pretty, I didn't pretty familiar. It's a pretty familiar diet to a lot of yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I didn't know how to cook meat really well. And so I think tofu was like this easy, like, oh, that's easy. Right. I can't, I can't screw that one up. Um, so I was consuming small amounts of fat and large amounts of hidden sugar. Mm-hmm. When food companies take the fat out of foods, they need to replace that flavoring with something because fat is flavor. And they replace it with sugar. So a lot of foods I was eating were highly processed carbohydrates. Um, I was experiencing energy crashes and I had to eat every couple of hours because I was either hungry or had low energy. And I really, truly thought that this was normal. I thought that you had to eat every couple hours and that you would have energy crashes and like, oh, you just eat again, right? Um, And it was really difficult because I was trying as hard as possible to restrict my calories. And I was always hungry. And this was really frustrating uh, for me. And I was left feeling deprived and longing to eat like ice cream and brownies. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though, which is kind of funny, I was like still eating a ton of sugar. Right. And I was, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not eating, I'm not eating sugar. I'm not eating like sweets. I wasn't eating ice cream or brownies, but I was still eating a ton of sugar in my diet. Which is, yeah. They're very good at hiding things. Realize that's very ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I did a paleo challenge uh, because I like trying different diets. And like I said, I was always experimenting mm-hmm. um, and anything to lose a few pounds. Um, and it was, it was a 30-day challenge, and maybe 15 to 20 days in, my energy evened out, and I had this constant energy level that was nice and even. And it was, you know, I didn't crash after meals, nor was I constantly hungry. Um, I was more full, and I had less cravings, and this is because I was eating, like, zero added sugar whatsoever. And I eliminated grains. Um, so I wasn't eating any bread or pasta, which greatly reduced my sugar spikes and the amount of insulin in my blood. So it really took like my before when I was eating like this low fat diet, I had a lot of highly processed foods, carbohydrates, added sugars. And so my blood, my blood sugar was just going up and down and up and down and up and down. And then when I took out that added sugar and then I took out the breads and the pastas and I mean, I took out grains in general. So my insulin levels, my blood sugar evened out. And then which, which in turn, like I wasn't having like this, um, these huge releases of insulin. Um, so no more like crashes midday, um, which was, amazing like I couldn't believe it I was like what is this like Mm. where's the crash like what's going on why do I have energy it's two o'clock strange yeah it's two o'clock and I have energy like what's going on um so eating paleo 
was my first step to understanding how food affected our body and especially hunger. So it kind of like got me interested. It's like, Oh, this is crazy. Like what else can I learn? Um, so it really opened my eyes to a new approach to eating that had brought me, um, like basically brought me into this, like, okay, well what's next? Like what else can I learn from this? Um, And there's like, there's no way I would ever go back to eating a low fat diet. Yeah. No way. No way. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I've had a a very similar experience, you know, Kisa and I did a paleo challenge and um, started with a whole 30 and similar story. You know, I was doing the, the yo-yo dieting, trying all kinds of things. I remember days where I still, I remember this day. I don't, I don't know exactly why this particular day stands out, but I would always have my two eggs with a little bit of mozzarella cheese in the morning before I went to the school where I worked. And mm-hmm. then I would have a half of a peanut butter sandwich for lunch. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And I was like, it's high protein with a piece of bread. And then I would like have these small snacks throughout the day of um, uh, like, what is it called? The cheese where you can pull it off the string cheese. Oh, string cheese. And just these like anything to restrict my calories. And that was years and years ago. And then that was before I finally did a paleo challenge. And I think one of the benefits of a whole 30, because that's the, um, you know, that's like the, the main way people kind of jump into eating a paleo style diet. It's kind of the, you know, the, the fad way to jump into it. But the mm-hmm. idea of it is that you go for 30 days and it helps you lower your blood sugar for long enough to get your hormones into control. And I think that's really important because until, until I really got rid of all the sugar, all the hood and, hidden sugar and um, like the snacking all day long, I like the cravings are crazy. Like you can know, you can know what a healthy diet is, but then there's the cravings and there's the withdrawal and it's really easy to just go back to what you were already eating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think, I think the withdrawal, like mm-hmm. if you don't understand that, you just like, Oh my gosh, something's wrong with my body. Mm-hmm. This is not right. I need to not be doing this. Yeah. It's intense. It's really intense. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, I think there's two ways of going about things. You know, I think going slowly is a good idea. It kind of evens you out over time and you get used to it, you become a person who eats vegetables, you know, Mm -hmm. you become a person who doesn't eat, you know, sugary snacks. And then another way to go about it, which works for a lot of people is to just cut it all out. Like just know that it's just going to be shit. (laughs) You know, I like, I think mine was around the same 15 to 20 days for some people. It can take four to six weeks, you know, like the, the sugar withdrawal going away. Mm-hmm. but the payoff, like the payoff is so amazing. It's huge. Yeah. And getting my, I know that my insulin was out of control. It had to be because I was constantly hungry, just always so hungry. And I was eating enough food and on the paleo challenge, like there's no restriction on how much food you eat. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. like you just eat certain kinds of foods and you don't eat other certain kinds of foods for 30 days. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. say like, you can't eat this much. And my, my cravings or my insulin must've been so out of control because I was constantly hungry. 
like even mm-hmm. eating like really high fat, like, um, you know, really filling foods. And it wasn't until, you know, probably, I think it was around the same about 20 days in that my energy started to level off. And it was like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. 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 And it is, yeah, there's, I mean, kind of like these two mm-hmm. ideas, schools or ideas of how mm-hmm. to do it. And one is like, yeah, just jump right in or like mm-hmm. cold turkey, you might say. Um, and it's going to be rough in the beginning. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> it makes you face things you never mm-hmm. thought you'd have to face ever. <laughs> it's, true. Um, it's true. I mean, I say it like very dramatically, but it's true. Um, however, it's like when you come out on the other side, it's like, Oh, Oh my gosh. You know, it's like this whole new world almost. Um, yeah. And yeah. So there's like the cold Turkey and then there's kind of like these, you know, small changes over time, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, both are great, whatever works for you. And exactly. Yeah. I think whatever, especially like busy moms, you know, mm-hmm. busy moms, you may just want to go slow cause that's a lot to take on. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if you're the kind of person, like I'm the kind of person, like I got to go in full, like full head tilt. Like I got to go full on. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't make little changes over time. I just got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think there's different, we're, there's different kinds of people in the world. And I think I'm the kind of person I need to just go in. And some mm-hmm. people are really good about like, I just make this part a habit. Mm-hmm. Just do it for a long time. That becomes a habit. And then I pick another thing and then that becomes mm-hmm. a habit. And slowly over time, um, yeah. you just get healthier and healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think, so I'm going to introduce like, cause there's, there's a third part to this. That is another thing that, that we don't always look at. Right. So we've got like what kinds of foods we're eating. We've got mm-hmm. our hormones mm-hmm. and then we've got the thing that always that it tends to make us go back to our previous diet. And that is when we take away our beloved sugars, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we have to feel our emotions. <gasps> Don't say it, Mary. <sighs> it's true. It's true. Right? Because we use food. And we've talked about this before. We use food for most anything except for actual hunger, <laughs> right? I'm bored. I eat food. I'm, you know, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I don't want to feel sad. So I, you know, I'll eat chips. And so on another podcast, our next podcast, we're going to talk about what do you do when the emotions come? Because Mm -hmm. we haven't been taught what to do with our emotions. And I think a lot of times we just think we're going to jump into a new diet and we address the food part, but we don't address these other aspects of it. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden we're super sad and we're like, oh my God, this diet is making me sad. And it's not the diet that's making you sad. You're just feeling the feelings that were there all along that you've mm-hmm. been stuffing down with food. And yeah. so in the, in the next podcast, we'll talk a little bit more about that because it's really important. It makes us go back to just eating sugar because it's so much easier to eat sugar than feel our feelings. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's so, so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you bring up a great point, Mary, in that, you know, the food is just part of the equation, like food, mm-hmm. choosing the right foods and balance their hormones. That's just like, that's part of the equation. Um, the other part is addressing our emotions and our emotions around food and how we use food to cope with our emotions. Yep. I heard a really great quote the other day. It was um, something along the lines of like, 
losing weight is easy, right? Dieting is easy. You just only put certain food in your mouth. <laughs> like diets are super easy, right? Like I, right? I pick a thing, I eat that. I don't eat the things that make me fat, yeah. but then like the hard part is that you're going to have to feel all of the cravings, the withdrawal and the emotions that come along with it. That's the yeah. hard part. That's why it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, awesome, Mary. Um, so yeah, let's give our listeners some tips. Um, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, we have some, we have five tips for you for decreasing hunger, hunger through food choices. Yeah. Um, so our first tip for you is to look in your pantry and your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. The first step is awareness. Sometimes all of these fancy scientific words can feel overwhelming. Simply going into the pantry and pulling out your go-to foods and looking at the labels is a really great start. Um, so, you know, like what are the ingredients, how much protein, how much sugar, how much carbs are in there? So you can look at like the, the nutrition facts and then you can also look at the, um, ingredients Mm -hmm. and they're listed by, so like the first ingredient is going to be the most, the largest quantity of that food. And then the next is like the second largest quantity and then the third. So it goes down, down in, um, um, I don't want to say down in size. Would that be the right word? Quantity? Quantity. Thank you. Down in quantity. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's so important, right? I think, you know, if you're not ready to to change the way you're eating, I think just awareness even is, Mm -hmm. it's so good. There's so many times that, you know, in like a long time ago, I was starting to learn about these things and I just, you know, in the grocery store, look at a nutrition label and just be like, oh, oh my God. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just in that moment, you can put that back instead of buying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have taught, um, this just reminds me of a class that I taught to uh, for a wellness, corporate wellness class that I was teaching. And it was all about sugar and um, reading in, uh, ingredient lists and uh, nutrition facts and learning how to find out how much sugar is in the food that you're buying. And you know, a lot of people came back and they're like, wow, like I never knew how much sugar was in the food I was eating. Like it's just made me more aware. And so just having that awareness kind of, you know, you'll naturally kind of be like, oh, well this one, this salad dressing has less sugar than this one. So I'm going to go with the one with less sugar. So you'll just make these, you know, like small conscious decisions over time. Right. So yeah. Um, our second tip for you is it's my favorite tip. Eat the fat. Yes. <laughs> and let me repeat myself because I did. You did not hear me incorrectly. I said eat the fat. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be afraid to eat fat. It, it is the base of your fire and will keep you full between meals. Yes. Um, so adding fat to your meal by either cooking your vegetables or your eggs in a nice healthy fat, like coconut oil or grass-fed butter, um, avocado oil, um, adding olive oil, like an olive oil vinegar. I just make a homemade dressing, olive oil, vinegar, and mustard. Those are the three ingredients. And I use that all the time on my salads. Um, adding nuts and seeds to your salads, even adding nuts to, or seeds, nuts, and or seeds to vegetables 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. I put pumpkin seeds on roasted cauliflower. No, not cauliflower. Broccoli. And oh. It was pretty good. Yeah. Yum. Uh, my husband loved it. He's like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. And just kind of made it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, adding, adding in those healthy fats. Um, avocados are great too. Yeah. So our third tip for you is to choose, you know, a medium amount of healthy proteins. So protein should be present in every meal you eat, just like fat, but this will help satiate you or keep you full between meals. Uh, You don't need to go overboard on this, especially if you are just a regular person who has a moderate workout routine and you're not trying to like bulk up. Right. Um, Not to say that you, our listeners are just regular people because you guys are awesome and amazing. Fantastic. Um, But you know, just saying like, you're not like this high performance athlete. Um, If you're a high performance athlete listening to this, then just disregard what I'm saying right now. Right. Eat more protein. Um, but you know, like some people think like, oh, I'm working now. I need to eat. Mm -hmm. I need to have my protein shakes. I need to eat tons of protein throughout the day. Not necessarily, you know, you need to eat enough, but then that extra turns into sugar in the blood. So just be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so just say moderate amounts of protein. And then our fourth tip is for you is to choose healthy carbs. So like we talked about earlier, carbs can range from kale to Skittles. Mm. So choose carbs that are closest to their whole form as possible. So some great choices would be leafy greens, whole grains, preferably gluten-free, like oatmeal and quinoa, or starchy veggies like sweet potatoes and squashes. And then our last tip for you is to experiment. Um, so just like I said, like I made that broccoli and I'm like, I'll put these pumpkin seeds on here. Um, you know, I just experiment a lot of the times, like truthfully. Um, sometimes it turns out great. Sometimes it does not. Sometimes not so much. Yeah. But then I learn, I learn. I'm like, oh, that's not good. I won't make that again. Um, and also everyone is going to have a different optimal amount of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats that work for them. So experiment with and find what works for you. So maybe adding in some protein in each meal will help you feel fuller between meals. Or maybe you don't eat much fat, so you may want to experiment with adding healthy fats to your meals. So maybe some olive oil on your salad or grass-fed butter um, on your steamed veggies. Yeah. So yeah, we really are different because, you know, I – you know, when I compare what I eat to, you know, a lot of other people who eat healthy, I have a really high fat, high protein diet. And for some mm-hmm. reason that works for me, but I'm not awesome. a marathoner <laughs> in any, in any way, shape or form. I do yoga days a week. I am no longer a CrossFitter. I'm no longer a runner. You know, I just do moderate yeah. exercise, but for some reason for my body, I've discovered that like more fat than most people would generally eat and yeah. more protein and you know and then i add some veggies so my my plate awesome. won't look like yours maybe and that's fine yeah yeah exactly and that's totally fine because you know mary's found something that really works for her mm-hmm. and i found something that really works for me and our plates probably look a little different mm-hmm. and then if i find that at some point it's it's too much you know and i have to tweak it that's that's what we do just over time i think the important thing is listening listening to our bodies Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. 
Well, all right, friends, that is all of our five tips. That's all our information. That's all we got for you today. Um, Thank you so much for being awesome as always and listening in. And if you'd like to know more about us, if you have any questions or comments, you can now head on over to our dedicated Facebook group. It is the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary and Kisa. You can Google it on the Facebook or you can just find the link on uh, whichever blog you're finding this episode on. And you can also contact me at my website at maryleesepreston.com. That's M-A-R-Y-A-L-Y-C-E-P-R-E-S-T-O-N.com or Kisa at her website at kisaamaro.com. And that is K-E-Y-S-A-A-M-A-R-O.com. So woo, send us your questions and comments. We love them. We love them. Come find us in our Facebook group. We want to know what you want to know about. We like to research it for you and then to share it on the podcast. So we will see you soon, friends. On to the next episode. Bye.